Welcome to this week's Rashi Shear, brought to you from the Bet Midrash of Mizrahi in Melbourne, Australia. Okay, good evening everyone. Welcome to the last year before Pesach. We will be uh, in recess, as they say here in Mizrahi, for the next two weeks. Next Sunday night is Yom Tov. The following Sunday night is Motzi Yom Tov. That's when we do the Avodot Perach of putting back the Kalim. And remember what slavery is all about. So we will meet in Yitz Hashem in three weeks' time. I think that's right. Um, but tonight, we resume from where we were last week. We're going to finish Chai Sara tonight and start Toledot. And we are on Perak Kafhe Pasuk Yud Aleph. So Perak Kafhe Pasuk Yud Aleph. So what's happened so far is that Abraham died and was buried. And then Yud Aleph says, Vayehi acharei mot Abraham, vayavarech elokim et Yitzchak bano. And it was after the death of Abraham, and Hashem blessed Yitzchak, his son, and Yitzchak dwelt with the well of Ber Lachai And Rashi's got something to say on these words, Elohim. Rashi's got two things to say. Says Rashi in Yud Aleph, he greeted him with the consoling of Avelim, of mourners. And then it says, another explanation. Even though Hashem handed over blessings to Abraham, he was afraid to bless Yitzchak. Abraham was afraid to bless Yitzchak. That he saw prophetically, Esau was going to come from Yitzchak. Amar, Abraham said, The master of brachat, i.e. Hashem, should come and bless whomever is good, who, who is good in his eyes. And Hashem now came and blessed him, I Yitzchak. Okay, two things that Rashi has to say, and they are linked by answering a particular question. Um, the Pasuk clearly links the blessing that Hashem gave to Yitzchak with the death of Abraham. So Rashi is answering the question, what is the connection between the two? Why is this blessing of Yitzchak immediately dependent on the death of Abraham. So Rashi gives two answers. The first answer is, He came to made a shiva call. Uh, Hashem, as it were, made a shiva call to Yitzchak, and that's the blessing. We'll talk about what a blessing means in a minute. But, but no, let's talk about what a blessing means now. If we look at Perak Mem Zion, Pastor Zion, like, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, you may not have used the same Lushan, but yeah, I mean, that, that's that's Nechamba. Yeah. Uh, comfort. That's not really a bracha, that was my... Oh, I see. No, it's not really a bracha. Yeah, ah, very good. So look at Mem Zion Zion. So, uh, Jacob has mentioned, but it's not really a bracha. Mem Zion Zion. Yaakov goes to meet Haro. This is after uh, Yosef has identified himself to his brothers and all the brothers and Yaakov come down to live in Mitzrayim. And Yaakov is brought in to meet Paro. And the end of the Pasuk there, Mum Zion Zion says, Yaakov et Paro. Yaakov blessed Paro. 
And Rashi there says, Vayavarech um, Yaakov, he she'elat shalom, kederech kol hanirim lifnei hamalachim leprakim. It is she'elat shalom. What she'elat shalom? Literally asking peace. It's saying hello. It's saying shalom aleichem. Um, as is the way of all people who appear before kings from time to time. And then he gives him French, chalude, which I think is uh, the equivalent of salute, which is where we get the English word salute. So according to Rashi here in Mem Zion Zion, bracha doesn't necessarily mean a blessing. It can mean a saluting, a greeting. And that is Rashi's first interpretation, that it's not actually a bracha. It's a greeting. Hashem greets Yitzchak at this time. According to the second explanation, it is a bracha. But then we have to ask again, why is this bracha coming after the death of Abraham? Um, and that Rashi explains by saying, there was one bracha that Abraham didn't give. Now we know from the beginning of Lech Lecha, when Hashem said to Abraham, apart from some of the things that will happen when he goes to Canaan, bracha, you will be a bracha. And Rashi there said, you, Abraham, will have the power to bless whomever you want. It's worth noting that that didn't mean that Abraham himself was blessed. Because we see other times that Hashem blessed Abraham. For instance, at the Akedah, Hashem blessed Abraham. So it seems like the blessing that Abraham, the power to bless, did not necessarily mean that he was automatically blessed. Um, and when Yitzchak gets this power, sorry, uh, there's another thing to say, um, that we already know that this power has been given over to Yitzchak. If you look at Pasuk Hey, Kaf Hey Hey, we did this last week. Uh, on the verse that said, we attain Abrahamic, Abraham gave everything that he had to Yitzchak. And Rashi there says, uh, the blessing of a legacy, um, last week we said there's a problem, Rashi's problem in that verse we suggested is we already learned from uh, the story of Eliezer going to Haran that Eliezer had a star, a document with everything that Abraham had handed over to Yitzchak, all his possessions. So if Abraham's already given Yitzchak all Abraham's possessions, what else can he give here in Metcalf Hay Hay? So Rashi, we talked a bit more about this last week, I'm not going to go over it again, but Rashi comes up with this, that he, Abraham handed over at this point, not a material possession, but the power to give brachot. So what I wanted to add is, when Abraham had that power, it didn't mean that Abraham was blessed. So when Yitzchak has now got that power, it doesn't mean that Yitzchak is blessed. So Hashem has to come and bless him. But then you have to ask, if Abraham had that power to bless whomever Abraham wanted, why didn't Abraham bless Yitzchak? Why do we have to wait till now Abraham's gone? And Rashi gives the answer to that. So Rashi has said that um, Hashem blesses Yitzchak because Abraham didn't, even though Abraham could have done. And we have to have that detail, as the Mephoshim say, that we see that Abraham, the reason I said that Abraham wasn't blessed to explain by, by himself, to explain that Yitzchak, even though he now has the power of blessing others, also isn't blessed. So Hashem has to come and bless him. Abraham didn't, and Rashi explains, Abraham didn't because Abraham feared that if he blesses Yitzchak, that would be blessing all of Yitzchak's descendants, which means Yaakov and also Esau. And Abraham doesn't want to bless Esau. It appears from this that Hashem has greater power of discrimination when he hands out brachot, which makes sense because Hashem is omnipotent. So even though Abraham 
wasn't able or didn't think he was able to bless just the Yaakov bit of Yitzchak to the exclusion of the Esau bit, it turns out that Hashem is able to. So Abraham has explained why Hashem blessed him only after the death of uh, Abraham. And again, as we said, the first uh, the suggestion of Rashi, that it was a nichumo tanchume abelim, fits in with what Rashi says later, that a bracha doesn't necessarily mean what we call a blessing, it can just be a greeting. Okay. That's Rashi on Yud Aleph. Yud Bet. The Eila Toldot Yishmael ben Abraham. What does Toldot mean, by the way? Chronicles. Chronicles. Anything else? Okay, we'll leave that. Uh, there's a reason why I raise that now, and it will become relevant soon. The Eila Toldot Yishmael. These are the generations of Yishmael ben Abraham, the son of Abraham. Asher Yelada Hagah Hamitzrit Shivchat Sarah La Abraham, whom. Hagar, the Egyptian, bore to the, uh, sorry, the servant of Sarah bore to Abraham. It's curious why we need all that uh, uh, lineage of Yishmael, but Rashi doesn't feel it's a problem. Rashi doesn't have anything to say. So we'll go on to Yud Gimel. Yes. Sorry, back on Yud Aleph. Um, how do you understand Vayeshev Yitzchakim? As I read that, I thought, that's a bit funny thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I had this... Uh, Unclus also translates it him with, okay, so I haven't thought about it, and as we know, Rashi doesn't say anything, so I'm exempt, yeah. but I would suggest it doesn't just mean at, it means well, it means two things, I'm, this is my guess, mm -hmm. it means by, I don't mean that in the English yeshivish sense yeah. of, uh, yeah. you know, I'm eating by, by. I'm slaying, <laughs> staying by, uh, which is probably a bastardization of the Yiddish word, um, equivalent of she in French, it translates very well as she in French. Yeah. But anyway, I don't mean by, I mean by is in next to it, in the proper English sense. So he lived next to it, in the presence of, with, with the well nearby. But I'd also suggest, and I think this is a better answer, we saw um, that Be'er is where Yitzchak was going uh, when he was governing Mincha in the field. It seems to be a place of spirituality, a place of connection with the Kodesh Baruch because after all, why is it called Be'alacharoi? Because Hashem appeared there to Hagar. So I think that it means Yitzchak is living with the effect of the spiritual reality, the connection with Hashem that emanates from that place. As you say that, it reminded me of another explanation, actually. Sorry, I should have not asked this question then, but this is it. God. Um, just, I hadn't thought of it in a while, but the in Be'alacharoi is so similar, like, we're talking about some kind of um, mental state that Yitzchak was living with, that mm -hmm. also echoing that Bami Bor that it was a place he frequented frequently, um, but that it's associated with this like sort of neglect of being um, sort of cast off. So like that's where Hagar and Yishmael were when they were sent away, and that's where, like sort of following. So you know, is it Arkeda, a sort of he went there? So it's sort of this place of like. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put too much of a modern spin on it, but some sort of place of trauma. And um... I, is, is this suggestion that he's coming to Matakin and somehow sort of reverse the effect of the sending away of, of Ishmael? I don't know if it's reversing it, but like after the death of Abraham, we see that like it's like he's still living with this, you know, lifelong. Okay, it's certainly odd. Uh, I don't want to say that the, I, I suggested that only to knock it down straight away. I don't want to say that Yitzchak is reversing what Abraham did yeah. as commanded by Hashem. Yeah. But it's certainly noteworthy 
that Yitzchak lives in the place which is connected to the cast off brother and the cast off maidservant. So uh, I'll leave it as interesting. It's like living with the consequences. Okay, Yud Gimel says, "Ve'ela shemot b'nei Yishmael bishmol tam letolu tam." These are the names of the children of Yishmael by their names, by their births. The Chor Yishmael, the firstborn of Yishmael, Navit, uh, sorry, Navat, for Kedar, the Adbael, who Mivsam. Not names which are usually uh, propping up on the most popular child's names list. <laughs> not yet. Now, not yet. Rashi says on the words Bishmotam, the Tolotam, Seida Leidotam, Ze Achazer. So, uh, as I sort of stumbled over the translation, what is Latoldotam? Well, it's that same word, Toldot, which I asked you about at the beginning of your bet, and I'm going to ask you about again soon. Something to do with birth, not 100% clear, but Rashi says here that's exactly what I mean. Seida Leidotam. The order of their birth, one after another, and others, they're listed in chronological order. Now, compare Perak Hay, Pasuk Lamud Bet, and Rashi there. Hay Lamud Bet. You have got it. No, you've got it in that book. Oh, true. Yes. Noach, sorry, Noach ben Shana. Noah was 500 years old. Noach et Shem et Cham Yafet. So Rashi says on those words at the end of his comment on Lamabet, Vahalo Yafet ho hagadol. Yafet was the oldest. So why is he listed last? But you put Shem first, Shahud Sadik, because he is a Tzadik. So that's why Shem, even though he was not the oldest, is listed first. So when it comes to Shem, Chaman, and Yafet, they are not listed in birth order. So perhaps that's why Rashi has to say, in this case, they are listed in birth order. The Benot Zalofchat are listed in two different orders. There may be other people as well, but that just springs to mind. And Rashi says there are two different orders. They can go, one is birth order and one is a different order to show that they were all equal. But so... It sounds, what I'm trying to say is, Rashi has to explain orders, or, or sometimes at least he does, uh, because they're not always in birth order. So he's saying these ones are in birth order, which is strengthened by the idea that the first one mentioned is the Bachor, the firstborn. But also, I think that's Rashi's understanding of the word Latolatotam, by their births, means in the order of their births. And the names carry on in Yudalat, U Mishma, the Duma, Umasa. And in Tetvav, Chadad, Vetema, Yator, Nafish, Vekedma. And then Tet Zion says, Eila Heim Bene Yishmael, Veila Shomotam, Bachatsurai Hem, Uvetirotam, Shneim Asan Siim, La Umatam. These are the Bene Yishmael, and these are their names in their Chatsrehem and in their Tirotam. So Rashi explains what Chatsrehem are. And this is one of those occasions where I'm going to say it's a straightforward Rashi telling you what the word means. And it means cities which do not have walls, which, by the way, probably implies we see this with the Miraglim. That implies the strength of the city. It doesn't need walls to defend itself because the people in it are big and strong. Um, how do we know that Chatzrehem uh, means unwalled cities. So the Targum, the Targum is 
uh, the translation of Chatzrehem is Patzchehon, Shehem Mefutzachim, meaning they are Mefutzachim. Now, what, well, let me read on a little bit further. Loshen Peticha, and Mefutzachim is an expression of opening. Kamo Pitzchu Varananu. We say in Tehillim, say on Friday night in Kabbalah Shabbos, um, that the, well, uh, it, it, you, if you look in the city, it's probably not translated as open, but it might mean open. And Rashi thinks it means open. So open and sing, like open your mouths and sing. Rananu is sin. Um, so what Rashi's done, he's gone by like a three-stage process. Chatzrehem is translated into Aramaic as Patzchehon, but Patzchehon is equivalent to the Hebrew Mefutzachim, which we find in Tehillim in the form of which means open. And what I think is interesting, and Rashi often does this, is he translates it into Aramaic and then says that Aramaic root, exists in Hebrew. So that's my three-stage process. He goes from the original Hebrew word into Aramaic, into the equivalent Hebrew word to the Aramaic, the same Hebrew word. So what, what Rashi is saying, and he says this often, is that Aramaic is not necessarily a different language. It's, it's like a half-cousin, only the half-sibling of Hebrew. And that there are words in Aramaic which directly have an equivalent in Hebrew. It's basically the same word. So he goes into the Aramaic and then from the Aramaic word finds an equivalent Hebrew word and shows that Pitzchu, Mefutzachim, which in Aramaic is Patzchehon, which is the translation of Chatzrehem, means open. This is all on Togum, like the whole... Like the Londres of it depends upon Uncle's completely, but yes, absolutely. Like, yes, because, like, I mean, a cuss you can, I guess, give it to the Togum is saying, Well, if he meant this and it was Pitzchu, then I could the Torah should have been Pitzchu originally. Ah, uh, if there's a word that translates directly, then why did Uncle's give that word? If the oh, why didn't the Torah give that word? Yeah, 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 the equivalent Hebrew. Okay, exists. I, I'm the one, I, I'm of the opinion that. There's no point in asking that question on Rashi. You can ask it every single time. If Rashi says the words of a Torah are better understood in this way, then you can always ask, why didn't the Torah write it that way? I mean, a, a simple answer is because the Torah wants us to work at it. And, and with the help of Rashi and other Mephoshim, work it out for ourselves. Uh, we have to be osake for Talmud Torah, occupy ourselves in Talmud Torah, rather than just have everything on a laid table for us. I don't know if that, that's a satisfactory answer. Um, but you're right. I mean, if Rashi has said that Chatzrehem is equivalent to Pitzchu, so it shouldn't say Pitzchu. Um, but maybe, maybe that's not a word that you would have known so well either. Um, the fact that uh, I guess most people don't know that word, it's not a particularly common word, it exists in Tehillim, and it's got different translations there. So maybe it wouldn't have helped very much. I don't know. It helped GBH. Yes. Pitzchu was a niggun to it. Okay. Pasuk Yud Zion. Uh, these were lives, the years of the life of Yishmael, 100 years and 30 years and 70 years. And we've talked earlier at the beginning of Chayasara, we had Sarah's years broken up into 100 years and 20 years and seven years. When Abraham died, a few Pesukim earlier, he was also broken up. And in both times, Rashi commented on it. This time, Rashi doesn't comment on it. We talked about Perhaps why? Because there's a few more words in the Abraham Pasuk and in the Sarah Pasuk which aren't here. And then it says, Yigvav, Yamat, Yasef, El Amav. 
he expired and died and was gathered to his people. So Rashi says on the Eilish Nechaya Yishmael, Omar Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, Lama Nimnu Shanatov Shal Yishmael. Why are the years of Yishmael listed? So I'll just pause for a moment while we just think about the question. And then he gives an answer. And the question is, seems to be uh, posited on, there's a reason for listing every one of Sarah's years, 127. There's a reason for listing every one of Abraham's years, 175. And that reason doesn't apply to Yishmael. And that's why we want to know, why do we list the years of Yishmael? Because for a lot of the time, he was a Russian. Now, we've already said he did Teshuva at the end. We learned that from the fact that Abraham was buried by Yitzchak and Yishmael in that order. And Rashi said on Pasuk Chet, from which we, sorry, Pasuk Tet, from which we learned that Yishmael did Teshuva. And we're about to see another proof that Yishmael did Teshuva. But it's still the case that Meikara, originally, he was not good. And therefore, not all of these years were good. So why do we need to know about all these years? Because he said there was 137 years, Kanainahara, but some of them were not good years. So we would ask, why are they listed in the Torah? So that's Rashi's question, which is in the name of Rabbi uh, Bar Abba. So what is the answer? Why do we need the years of Yishmael? And Rashi says in brief form here, what he says in much longer form at the end of Pasha Toledot. And he says here, in order to literally relate through them the years of Yaakov. What he means when he says relate, he means to like pinpoint certain times in the, uh, the timeline of Yaakov's life. And continues, Rabbi Chiyabah Abba, quoted by Rashi, from the years of Yishmael, we learn, Shashimesh Yaakov for Beit Eva, that Yaakov literally uh, served in Beit Eva, which is the yeshiva of Shem and Eva. Uh, Shem wasn't alive anymore, which is now called Beit Eva. Arba Esreshana, 14 years. Kesheparesh me Aviv, when he separated from his father, Kodem Shabbat Etzel Lavan, before he came to Lavan. What are we talking about? At the end of Toledot, after the most dramatic day in Yaakov's life, when he takes the blessings that we're apparently due for Aesop, and he takes on himself, and Aesop says, I'm going to kill him. And uh, I think I talked about this already. Yeah, Rivka says to Yaakov, to, to Yitzchak, I've got a good idea that we should send Yaakov away to find a wife. And Yaakov says, good idea. Sorry, Yitzchak says, good idea. And he calls in Yaakov and he says, go to Lavin's house and find a wife. And Yaakov sets off. But says the Midrash, he arrived 14 years later. Because in those 14 years, he went to yeshiva. He had a gap year, times 14. Mm -hmm. right? Whether his parents liked it or not, he had a gap year, times 14. And how do we know this? Because Shaharei, Kashaparesh Yaakov Me'aviv, mate Yishmael. When Yaakov left his father, Yishmael died, Shne'emar, because it says, now when Yaakov was sent to find a wife, Esau had a bright idea. Esau sees that his father, Yitzchak, is concerned that Yaakov marries a wife from the family. That's why Yitzchak sends Yaakov to Lavan's house to find maybe amongst the daughters of Lavan, there'll be a wife. Turns out there were four. But um, uh -huh. that, that, so, so Esau 
thinks, aha, maybe I can do right by my father or appear to do right by my father. And I will also marry somebody from inside the family, i.e. from Yishmael, who's like half close. So, Vayelach Esav el Yishmael. Esav goes to Yishmael. As is explained at the end of Megillah Nikrit, which is the first chapter of Masechet Megillah. Now, Rashi hasn't told you the whole story here. He's missed out one key element, which, because I'm sure you're all chalashing to know, if you don't know already, I will tell you. If you look at Kafchet um, Tet, at the end of Toledot, This is immediately after, it's the same day that Yaakov has set off for Laban's house. Yaakov goes to Yishmael, and he takes as a wife, the daughter of Yishmael, Ben Abraham, the son of Abraham, the sister of Nebayot. Now, Nebayot is Yishmael's son, Machalat is Yishmael's daughter. So Navayot is Navayot is Ish uh, Machalat's elder brother. So Rashi says there, why do we need to be told that Machalat was not only the daughter of Yishmael, but also the sister of Navayot? And Rashi says, we learn from that that Yishmael was there when Machalat was engaged, was betrothed. But by the time it came to the wedding, Yishmael was dead. So Navayot is mentioned because he, as it were, married her off. So that gives us a time frame that Yaakov, uh, Esau, went to find a wife uh, around the time that Ishmael died, which means that Yaakov ran away to Laman's house around the time that Ishmael died. But if you work backwards from the fact that when Yaakov arrives in Mitzrayim and Paro asks him how old he is, Yaakov says, I'm 130. At that point, um, um, uh, we know we can work out how old um, Yosef was, and we can then work out how old Yaakov was when Yosef was born, and then we can work out how old Yaakov was when Yosef, when Yaakov arrived in Haran, and we can work out how old, because of the death of Yishmael thing, we can work out how old Yaakov was when he left his father's house, and we find there's 14 years missing. Okay, and that is explained at greater length at the end of Toldot. Rashi goes through the whole calculation. But the point that Rashi is making here is he wants to answer the question, why do we need the life, the, the lifespan of Yishmael? And the answer is because we use it to calculate as we've just seen. And that's the end of what Rashi has to say on that. So Rashi, it seems quite long. And it seems quite convoluted. It's a little taster of what's going to come later. But it's because Rashi's answering a different question here. Rashi's not, the purpose of this Rashi is not to tell you that Yaakov spent 14 years in Yeshiva on his way to Laban's house. The purpose of this of Rashi's, Rashi's question here is to tell you why the years of, why do we need to know the years of Yishmael? So all we Rashi needs to say is we need to know the years of Yishmael because from that we can work out something about Yaakov. He doesn't need to do all the calculations, which is why he doesn't do it. And then Rashi says on the words by Yigva, he expired. Lo ne'emrav gevia eila betzadikim. Gevia is only said in relation to Sadiqim. So we see that having said, or the way we've just read the previous question, that we shouldn't need to list the years of Yishmael because uh, I said 
that the reason that underlies the question is that Yishmael, from those years, he was a Russia. It's perhaps appropriate that Rashi reminds us that by the end of his life, he had done Teshuvah. And he was actually considered amongst the Sadiqim, because the word Gevia is used in reference to his death. One tiny little problemet. Look at Perak Zion, Pasuk Kaf Aleph. So this Pasuk comes in the middle of the flood. You've got it in that book again. <laughs> and in the middle of the flood, it says, All the flesh that crept on the earth, the yigva, expired. So all the people at the time of the flood died. What's the problem? They weren't Sadiqim. How do I know they weren't Sadiqim? Because they all died, because there was a flood. Okay, so what do we do? So there's, it's a big problem. But there's two approaches, either of which are very similar. Um, either we say that when Rashi here says by Yigva, he doesn't mean by Yigva alone. He means by Yigva and by Yael The combination of the two, he expired and was gathered to his people, that you only find by Sadiqim. And the other thing to say is there are, are variant texts of Rashi which say it's that his work comment is not just about the Yigva, but by Yigma Yosef. In other words, the first answer I gave is we read it into Rashi that he means both verbs. The second answer I gave is perhaps the text is more um, correct if it actually says Rashi saying both verbs are needed to say that he's amongst the Sadiqim. But there's like this story, there's also very much. Yeah, I don't think that's one of them because everyone dies. No, but, but not everyone expires. It doesn't say the Amat as well. Ah, so you're thinking, I haven't seen this anywhere, but it, it, it might answer the question. You're thinking it's Vayigva in addition to Vayamot. So everyone dies. <coughs> and some people die for expiry. expiry. Um, but if you die and also expire, that's what Rashi means. It also does get interesting that, like, for the word in the Mahabola, you use the word Vayigva. Like more than just because like expire, you seem to mean yeah, fulfill the years of life. It could be, it should say very much. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And especially when Rashi here, at least on face value, says it's connection between Vayigva and Sidkut. Mm. So it is it is strange. Okay. Next one. Yudchet. And they, that's all the descendants of um Yishmael dwelt from Chavila until Shor, Asher Alpenei Mitzrayim, which is on the face of Mitzrayim. Uh, Hagar came from Mitzrayim um, uh, when she was sent away. She found the wife for Yishmael from Mitzrayim. Rashi makes the point there that she returned to her roots. So it all sorts of fits that Yishmael will set up camp, a big camp for all his descendants, Alpenei Mitzrayim, on the face of Mitzrayim. Ocha Ashura on the way to Ashura, Alpane Kolechav Nafal. In the face of all his brothers, Nafal. Now, what does Nafal mean? Before you might jump in and say, well, obviously it means fell. Says Rashi doesn't mean fall per se. Shachan, it means he dwelt. Kamo, Umidjan va Amalek va Cholbane Kedem Noflim va Emek. A Pasuk in Shoftim that says Midjan and Amalek and all the people of the East. Noflim ve'imek doesn't mean they fell in the valley. Sounds like you know they all fell in the valley. It doesn't mean that. It means they camped, they dwelt in the valley. So nafal 
is a synonym of shachan, and that's what it means here. However, that's really not good enough. Obviously, I mean, here, here I will ask um, the question I said you shouldn't really ask, but I, I'm entitled to ask it because Rashi does as well. If it means the same as shachan, why doesn't it say shachan? But Rashi actually asks the equivalent question, but in a better way. And it says like this, Kan hu amer but uh, so here it uses the expression nefila. But earlier, who Omer, it said, by the face of all his brothers, he will dwell. And he used the word shokhan. So what's the, why here is it shokhan? Sorry, here is it nafal, and there is it shokhan. If, if nafal means shokhan, then we would expect at least to be equivalent. As I say, this is, as I often say, this is like bread and butter, the Rashi, two phrases which are similar but different. Now here he actually spells out the question. He shows you that in that earlier quote, it's, it's very similar, and then you have the word Yishkan. Here you have the word Nafal. Why? Says Rashi, Ad shalom, mate Abraham Yishkan, mate Abraham Nafal. When Abraham was still alive, and I think the implication is Ishmael had some sort of uh, inspiration to keep on the straight and narrow maybe to become a tzaddik. That's when it says shachan. But after Abraham died, Ishmael is cut loose, and we don't hear good things about Ishmael or his descendants thereafter. We hear bad things. That is nafal. So uh, the first words of Rashi sounded like nafal is equivalent to shachan. When Rashi has spelled out the example of where nafal is different from shachan, and he's given us the context with or without Abraham, we see that nafal, although Rashi says it means dwelt, and he brings the Pasuk in Shoftim, it doesn't lose its meaning that we usually ascribe to it of falling. So after Abraham's gone, nafal, yes, it means dwelling, but it's a nafal type of dwelling. It's a falling type of dwelling. Things are going to go bad from here on. So I think it's a very subtle sort of um, dialectic. On the one hand, it's equivalent to shachan. That's Rashi's first words. On the other hand, it's not. It's clearly different, and it clearly has some reference to falling. Put the two together, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, <laughs> and you get that, yes, it does mean dwelling, but it's a suboptimal type of dwelling. And that's the type of dwelling that you get when Abraham is no longer on the scene. And with this, we finish Sedra Chayesara. And... Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm very sensitive to the fact that you're using a safer which only has the first half of Bereshit because um, I was preparing the shir today and I did some on Chayesara and some on Toldot and many of my safari also only go up to Chayesara. So I had to have two, uh, two volumes open at the same time ready for the, the transition. <laughs> and here we are at the transition. But, and you haven't, you haven't got a Rashi. Okay, you're listening. You probably know it all. The Eile Toledot Yitzchak, Ben Abraham, Abraham Oled Yitzchak. These are, I'm going to leave untranslated, but Toledot of Yitzchak, son of Abraham. Abraham Oled, begat, fathered, caused to father, Yitzchak. And we'll come back to the grammar of Oled later. And Rashi says in the words, the Eile Toledot, Eile Toledot Yitzchak, Yaakov the Esav Ha'amurim Parasha. Yaakov and Esau, who are mentioned in the parasha. What is the problem? The problem is, well, the, the background to the problem is the question I asked a little bit earlier, what is the meaning of Toledot? 
Now, this is really the first time the question has arose, has arisen. Eila Toledot something is a very common formulation in the Chumash. Uh, the first one was in, I think, Perak Hay. Yep, Perak Hay Pasuk Aleph, Zed Sefer Toledot Adam. This is the book of the Toledot Adam. Adam was created, and then so the first offspring of Shemayim Ba'aretz was Adam, and then Adam had a son, who had a son, who had a son. Um, another example, well, slightly, no, we'll leave the slightly trickier one of Noah for a little while. At the end of Perikyot Aleph, we find in... Yud Aleph Kav Zayin, Eila Toldot Terach. These are the Toldot of Terach. Terach Holid at Avraham. So it sounds like Toldot means offspring. Toldot from later, from birth. Toldot means offspring. And usually it does. Usually it introduces a list of people. We just saw only a moment ago, Eila Toldot uh, Yishmael in Yud Bet. Eila Toldot Yishmael, which is followed by Yishmael's children. However, it doesn't always seem to work. It doesn't always lead to a story about children, or rather the listing of children. And this is the first case where it really doesn't. Now, the beginning of Eila Toldot Noach, it sort of did. And Rashi there comments, Eila Toldot Noach, Noach Isadik Tamim Hayav Adoratav, Et Alakim Hitalek Noach, and then the next passer, So Rashi explains why you have to wait a whole passer before you get to the names of his children. Rashi gives an alternative explanation as well, which is a little bit of a rephrasing, reframing of toldot equals children, because he said, Masim um, tovim are like children. The good deeds of Noah are like children. That's why it says Noah is sadik, following on from Eid toldot Noah. But still, here's the answer to the question of what's going on here. Rashi, unlike some other Mephoshim, Sephorno springs to mind. Sephorno says that the word toldot can mean events in the life of. That's a translation. So it could mean children, because children are part of the events in the life of. And here, Eila toldot Yitzchak, what's the problem that we're now getting to, or what I've been building up to? No mention of children. Not for several verses. Not until... Uh, so seven, six verses. Um, we saw by Noah, it was a little bit of a stretch. It was two verses before we got to the names of his children. And Rashi sort of had to cover that. But six verses, that's a big problem. So Sephorno, for instance, says, no problem. Eila told that Yitzchak, this is going to tell you about the life of Yitzchak. And the next six verses do exactly that. Rashi won't accept that because Rashi holds to the shita, to the opinion that toldot always means children. So when it says Eilat toldot Yitzchak and there's no children, what does Rashi have to say? Uh, it is about the children who are going to be mentioned later on in the parsha. So Eilat toldot Yitzchak, Rashi says Yaakov Esav. What does it mean, Yaakov Esav? Why does he start the sentence with the words Yaakov Esav? Because these are the toldot Yitzchak. Eilat toldot Yitzchak. You know what they are? Not that Yitzchak ben Abraham, Abraham Olivi Yitzchak, Yitzchak ben Arim Shana. That's not Toldot Yitzchak. Toldot Yitzchak is Yaakov and Esav, who are mentioned later in the Pasha. 
which means that the next six verses are really preambles to the birth of Yaakov and Esau. They're setting the scene. The only reason we need to know about them is because we need a little bit of background of the Tolda Yitzchak. We really are Yaakov and Esau, Ha'amurim Ba'parasha, who are mentioned in the parasha. Rashi has a similar problem at the beginning of Yeshev, but we will wait till we get there, which will probably be some time away. Then we have the words, Abraham Holid et Yitzchak. Now, I don't know about you, I've got a couple of lines in brackets. And the, the couple of lines are, La'achar shakara hakadosh baruch hu shemo Abraham, achakach holid et Yitzchak. After Hashem called Abraham by the name Abraham, after that, he fathered Yitzchak. Now, you see, uh, that's in brackets. And it also doesn't appear in most of the original manuscript sources of Russia, at least two out of three, it doesn't appear. Uh, and that's why it's probably accepted that it's not part of the Rashi text. And I think that makes a lot more sense because it's a, first of all, Rashi hasn't say, explained the question which he's going to in the next line. So given that this is one of those where he does explain the question, you might have well, you would expect him to explain it before he starts giving the answer. And also the answer that he gives, the one we've just read, which I've said is probably not accurate Rashi, it's very hard to sustain because we really, really know that Yitzchak was born after Avram's name was changed to Abraham. We've read the Parsha of Vayera and it's there in black and white. Abraham's name is changed to Abraham, actually at the very end of Lech Lecha, and Yitzchak is only born um, three chapters later. Um, it could be, if we're going to see, if we're assuming this Rashi is authentic, that Rashi is like referencing back to the fact that at the Brit Ben of a time, Abraham said, I've, uh, Rashi explained it, I've seen in the stars that I'm not going to have any children. And Hashem said, aha, there's a catch. Avram won't have any children, but Avraham will. I will change your name and I'll change your muzzle. And Rashi said that there as part of the dialogue between Hashem and Abraham leading up to the Brit Ben of time. So you could say, that Rashi is saying, aha, look, that's what happened. That Avraham holid et Yitzchak, only after Avram's name was changed to Avram, as Hashem had promised, did he begat Yitzchak. But I would still, in my Dati, say it's, it's a bit weak because that still doesn't explain why, Rashi, why the Torah needs to spell it out here when the Torah's already spelled it out. And therefore, I'm very happy to regard the lines we just read as not part of authentic Rashi. Which means the authentic Rashi starts with the words, Al Yedei Shekatav HaKatuv Yitzchak ben Abraham, whose kaklo ma'ar Abraham ho yilid ed Yitzchak, question mark. Since it's already written, Yitzchak, son of Abraham. I know, I'm, I'm reading it as a question. Actually, I might not be right about that. I'm reading it as, does it need to say Abraham uh, begat Yitzchak? Or you could read it as, not like a question. Dafka, because it said Yitzchak ben Abraham, that's why it needs to say Abraham holiday Yitzchak, as will be explained. But the basic problem is the repetition. If it says Abraham, Yitzchak ben Abraham, that sort of sounds like his father was Abraham. It sort of sounds like that means Abraham holiday Yitzchak. Why do we have to have both? So whether it's a question about the duplication or Rashi's telling us there's a need for the duplication, as we will see. Lafi. Because Shahayu late sane hador omrim. What's a late son? Late son is a clown. Late son, late son, nechmad. Um, it's usually translated in this case as cynics. 
And that's a good translation, and we'll come back to the significance of that. The cynics of that generation said, May Avimelech nitabra. She became pregnant from Avimelech, sorry, nitabra Sarah. Shaharei, kamashanim shahata im Abraham. She stayed with Abraham many years, belonit Abrahimenu, and didn't become pregnant from him. Ma'as, uh, and the uh, Russia doesn't carry on, but let's just remember the, the story that she, they, they've been together for a long time, no children. Although interestingly, Abraham has got children. I was already fathered Ishmael, um, and he's older than Sarah. And then they go and stay with Abimelech. And immediately after they leave Abimelech, Sarah has a son. So the cynic said, ah, you know who the father is? It's obviously not Abraham, because he obviously can't produce any children, even though he has. Um, or perhaps the, the, the shidduch between Abraham and Sarah is not very fertile. Sarah's been staying in somebody else's house, and now she's pregnant. So obviously, they said, Abimelech's the father. Gossip. So what did Hashem do? He formed the visage of the face of Yitzchak, Domel Abraham, to be similar, maybe even identical to Abraham. So Yitzchak looks just like Abraham. So everyone says, ah, he's got his father's eyes, or rather, um, everyone testified, Abraham Abraham was the father of Yitzchak. And that's what's written here. Yitzchak ben Abraham haya. Yitzchak was the son of Abraham. Because there was testimony that Abraham bore Yitzchak. Okay, so on one level, Rashi's asked the question, Rashi's answered the question. There's duplication here. Why does it need to say Abraham Olidia Yitzchak? So Rashi says we need the story is that Abraham Olidia Yitzchak was the proof that Yitzchak was Ben Abraham. Because everyone could see and everyone said, ah, Abraham Olidia Yitzchak, because they could see from his features. And they needed to say that because they were saying that Yitzchak was actually the son of Avimelech. Okay, few things to say here. First of all, what are these, what's the idea of this let's son? Um, so the Beit HaLevi says something very clever, I think. Uh, I'm not sure it's Peshat. Um, he asked the question, why does he say late son? And he also, I, I, I'm suggesting that he understands late son as like people who just sort of said silly things. And he, he has this whole sort of um, story how people didn't say, at least not at first, that Abimelech was the father of Yitzchak. They said, look, you can read the Chumash. As a result of being in Abimelech's house and Abraham davening for Abimelech and his household to be healed, Hashem then gave that, uh, sort of turned that prayer and applied it to Sarah, and Sarah became pregnant. When we, we saw this before. Mm. Um, the, the Rashi learns that uh, whoever davens for something on behalf of someone else, and they also need that thing themselves, they will get that um, uh, reward, and, and that thing will come to the pass even for themselves before even for the other people they're davening for. So um, Rashi says that Abimelech had lots of problems, but one of them was infertility of the women of his household. Um, and Abraham davened that they should be healed, which included that the women of the household should be able to have pre uh, become pregnant. And as a result of that davening, Hashem made Sarah become pregnant. So cynics said, in a sort of um, 
headline abbreviation, Sarah became pregnant from Abimelech, meaning Sarah became pregnant as a result of being in Abimelech's house and the whole story, which is actually correct. But when it was phrased in that sort of witty aphorism, it then took on a life of its own. And people started saying, oh, you're, you're saying that Abraham, sorry, that Sarah was really became pregnant from Abimelech. So that's um, the Salebi's explanation of why it's called late son, the cynics, i.e. the people who said silly things. But put that on one side, because I, I would also find other examples where the late son is much more significant. Um, Rav Soloveitchik has a beautiful drasha. Uh, it comes in the book Hamesh Drashot, or in English, The Rav Speaks. And it's a collection of five drashot he gave on, to the Mizrahi organization. Um, and what he said here, it, 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 I'm sure it's not, it doesn't mean it as Bashat, I'm sure he means it as homiletics. In other words, he takes a biblical incident and uses it to make a point. And the point he's actually making in this drashat, and he's talking to the Mizrahi movement, I think in the 50s, he's saying look, how successful we have been. People never thought we could do it. People never thought that we could establish Yadut, Judaism, and Torah learning in the new modern state of Israel, which is basically built by secular people who weren't sensitive to the needs of the Orthodox uh, religious community. But thanks to the, uh, the efforts of Mizrahi and Maftal, uh, we've done it. And he says that there were people who thought it couldn't be done. People who said in this new modern state of Israel, nobody will be interested in learning Torah. The new generation won't be into that at all. And they were wrong. And then he compares it to this. Let me ask you another question. Number one, or two questions. Number one, we've already seen a question about whether Sarah was the mother of Yitzchak. And Rashi told us that at the weaning feast of Yitzchak, Sarah miraculously was able to breastfeed, to nurse all the babies. And when the, the other women who were around, who were skeptical that Sarah had become pregnant, uh, realized that yes, she had, because she was now able to feed all these babies. Um, now that makes a bit of sense, but they would have suspected that because Sarah was 90 years old. It makes much less sense to suspect that Abraham, who A, has already had a son, B, is male, for whom fertility lasts much longer. It makes much less sense for them to suspect that Abraham couldn't have a son. What's the difference? So why were they being, why, why was this late sanut, this, this cynicism about did Abraham have a son, according to all this Rashi? So what the Rav says, and other people have said this as well, based on, on this little story, is the skeptics couldn't handle the fact that Abraham, his mission was going to be able to carry on to the next generation. What they were prepared for is you've got this guy, Abraham, he talks about God. He talks about one God. Bit weird. We can sort of live with that because it won't last beyond him. Once he goes, this nonsense will go. Yitzchak, there's a son, but we don't think he's Abraham's son. We don't think he's the continuation of Abraham's legacy. We think he came from somewhere else. That's the cynicism that's saying it's not so much they're arguing about the parentage of Yitzchak Dafka. According to Rashi, they are. But what that represents, according to what I'm saying now, is the message that they're saying that Yitzchak is not Abraham's son because few, as we hoped all along, Yitzchak, Abraham's message will die with Abraham. And Yitzchak is not the continuation. He's something else. Said the Rav in Chamesh Trashot, people said that the new generation of Jews won't be interested in connecting to religion. 
when in the new state of Israel. But they were wrong. Look how people, they, they learn Torah and they learn science. They serve in the army and they carry a gun and they carry a Tanakh, etc. And he gives various other examples. Yitzchak is the son of Abraham. The new generation does continue the message and the, and the beliefs of the previous generation. So the next question I want to ask, but I, I sort of answered it, is why let Sanei Hador? Why not Rashei Hador? Why not the wicked people of the generation? I mean, basically, they were wicked. Why, why does Rashi use the word let Sanot? Because it was this cynicism which was more dangerous than outright wickedness. Outright wickedness is to say, we oppose you. We oppose you, Abraham. We oppose you, Yitzchak. We're going to stick to our Rodazara. We might even take up arms against you. But the cynic said, they laughed and they said, Abraham's message won't carry on. And the Rav talks about this in, in his Russia and he talks about them laughing and scoffing. And that's much more pernicious because that takes on a life of its own. People follow that cynicism and say, oh, it's all about politics. It's, uh, it's not real. It's nobody's actually really believes this stuff anymore. That's much more dangerous than outright opposition. Outright opposition says "Look, I respect your position. I just thoroughly disagree with it. And I'm going to try and undermine it. The cynics have a different approach. They say, we're going to make everyone laugh at it. We're going to make sure that nobody takes it seriously. We're going to say that you think you had a son. Ah, we know you didn't have a son. That son came from Rabbi Melach. You know, I mean, Rashi doesn't say this explicitly. And Rabbi Soloveitchi, who I just quoted, doesn't say this. But you can also add, it undermines the uh, morality of Abraham and Sarah, who are these bastions of proper behavior. And they're teaching the world, not just about monotheism, but about ethical monotheism. And it turns out Sarah's been a bit of a naughty lady with somebody else, doesn't say much for the integrity of their household. So that's a slightly different attack from what I was saying before. But again, it's the same cynicism to undermine by scoffing what Abraham stands for. And by the way, in our Jewish world, um, cynicism is so, so dangerous. And, and I said before, and you might have guessed what I'm saying, is you hear so often, oh, this Rab said something, it's just pure, pure politics. This rabbi, he said something because he wants to get at the other rabbi or because he's under pressure and he caved into pressure. Very rarely do people say, oh, that rabbi said something. I better stand up and listen. It's, uh, it's, he thinks it's the MS. I better learn from it. We just brush it aside as politics because that means it doesn't impinge on us. We don't actually have to take it seriously if we scoff at it. So the late <coughs> Sane Hador, in this respect, were much more dangerous than the wicked people of the generation. Okay, um, the next Rashi is also quite... Uh, longish and there's a few things to say on it so i think i will leave that until next time and we will meet again in Hashem in three weeks and i wish you all a chag kasher v'sameach um, it's been 13 years since we had a shabbos erev pesach which as we all know by now creates all sorts of exciting halachic challenges and opportunities do you go for egg matzah do you go for challah how do you fit in three meals before 11.26 or is it 11.02? Um, all sorts of exciting um, uh, situations. Do you uh, uh, plug up the sewage system by flushing away all the chametz that has to be done on Shabbat morning? All sorts of interesting questions. It will happen if the calendar stays fixed and we hope it won't because we hope the Sanhedrin will uh, reinstitute uh, Kiddush al Um, But if it does stay fixed, it'll only happen again, Israel, it'll happen again in four years time. Hopefully you'll remember everything we did in 2021 when it comes to 2025. But after that, if the calendar stays fixed, it won't happen for another 20 years. And when I'm 80 years old and you're much younger, you'll say, oh, 
long time ago we had this, but I've completely forgotten about it. Anyway, so embrace the opportunity for new halachic questions and new halachic answers and have a great Pesach. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And to you.